Welcome to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. I am really excited to have with us today Mr. Joel Thompson. He's one of the newest instructors at Ripple Effect Martial Arts and really excited to talk to you today. Thanks, Mr. Thompson. Of course. Thank you. How did you begin training in the martial arts? Yeah, so I started about 2005. Um, I was five years old. Me and my mom started at Mile High Karate in Thornton, Colorado. Okay. Um, and that was mainly because, like most kids, I was starting to show like signs of not being the most productive, not like having the most uh, focus, stuff like that. Um, so pretty common. Um, and basically from like my first few classes, I was already hooked and I wanted to be an instructor. Like that was like my first like thought with it. I wasn't quite good yet. If I'm being honest, like I, I didn't really start developing into what I think of as a good martial artist until way later down the line. But that was the start of it for sure. It's been like a constant thing that I've wanted to do. It's really interesting what you said about being five years old. And that's a very mature perspective for you to reflect on being five and going, maybe I didn't have enough focus or discipline, or maybe I wasn't quite that good yet, but still you had that goal. What, what did that feel like to be like, I want to be one of these instructors? Yeah. I mean, I gave a talk about positive self-direction yesterday. Okay. Uh, and that was like one of the first things that was a goal for me that I can like very vividly remember and like refer back to. That's almost been a guiding light for me in everything I do. And I think it was just like that this person can make me have like a lot of fun, but also like teach me more than just these one skills, these like skills like that. You gave a mat chat on positive self-direction. Yes, can you just summarize that for people listening that might not be familiar with that concept? What does positive self-direction mean? Yeah, so um, to me, it's you always have kind of that like signal that you're following, that, that flare that you're following. It might not be exact. You know, you might not get to the exact coordinates that you were looking for but you will get like there and you will get to like that kind of like place that you want. The way I'm looking at it now is it started out, I wanna be a martial arts instructor. And that evolved into me being a teacher of all kinds. Like, realistically, I wanna teach martial arts for the rest of my life and English. And when I get better at music, music, all these things. I think teaching has become like a really big signal for me like a flare for me almost that makes sense yeah it does it it's another word for it that flashes to me is is beacon yeah. um, and i haven't been so great at that in my life um and i remember feeling that very strongly i started way later than five yeah <laughs> i started when i was 41 but um the black belt beacon that was that was the goal that was the direction and you're gonna get there um and i think as a way of keeping kids especially from wandering too much kids yeah. wander and it's kind of a beautiful thing but 
the direction so you don't stray off course. Tell me uh, a little bit what it was like when you actually did begin to instruct, even as a student. Um, yeah. Your first experiences instructing, what was that like? So I was 12 and just got my second degree black belt. And that was like a really big peak for me. And like for a long time before then, like but even before my black belt, I'd say like around high brown, that's when I started like this upward spiral, what everyone kind of feels like when they're going through prep cycle, conditional, all those. But second degree was a peak for me when I realized who I was or like who I'd become almost. Like I was still 12 and I was still like, you know, not fully aware, but like, I knew what I had done, what I wanted to do still. And that was like, super, super important to me. And I feel like that reignited my initial passion of wanting to teach this. I'm going to start taking teaching classes, I'm going to do these things. And I think that's super awesome. One thing that I'm like reconciling with almost is trying to unlearn those behaviors that I got when I was 12 as like a teacher, which aren't bad, but like we have to constantly be becoming like a better example of that teacher almost. Yeah. Develop, do you feel yeah. like further training in the martial arts has helped th you, that develop your leadership yeah. ability? Definitely. So I trained for two years after I got my third degree. So I was 17 and then senior year of high school hit and I was student body president. I was super busy applying to colleges. So I just kind of hunkered down and focused, didn't train as much, but my education is around teaching. I know more effective teaching through education teaching. Like, um, and I know how to learn a new skill again, mm -hmm. which I think is super important. Cause when you start when you're five, like this all martial arts is like a second nature to me. So I feel like I almost had to do something new to be able to teach it again, if that makes sense. It does, I, I think that it's a, maybe a broad misconception that the idea of black belt is this narrowed focus that you become a black belt to become a great fighter or something. Um, when in reality, it's a broadening, it's it, you become a black belt so that you're capable of doing anything that you want. Um, exactly. the, the discipline that is bred into that training and accomplishment, the confidence, the leadership skills and that's what I hear you speaking to. Tell me a little bit, just a little bit of a sidetrack. What kind of drum kit do you play? Um, so right now I have a Dixon Cornerstone. They're kind of a smaller brand. Um, wow, yeah, it's, it's this turquoise kit that's like super pretty. Um, Five piece or seven piece or? It, um, so it's snare, two mounted toms floor, and then a ride, two crashes. Wow. so it's it's pretty fun yeah so that was like me my parents like pitching in for something i wanted because like the whole time through christmas and everything else like what i was getting was i want this martial arts weapon i need <laughs> barring gear and I, I want like a wave master you know like 
and I couldn't get out of that like kind of shell for a bit. And then when I stopped, there was nothing. So drum kit's nice. I love it. To bring it back for everybody listening, the reason that um, I'm talking to Mr. Thompson, karate instructor about drums and music is because I'm a musician too. And uh, earning a black belt has enhanced my musicianship. And it's not something I necessarily thought would happen, but it's made me a more confident stage performer and a more confident composer. And um, it's just really made me a better musician. So I, it's interesting to talk to you about developing, you know, your. Yeah, it's, it's almost the inverse for me of that, where. Really? Because of my my martial arts ability, I could get the drum and I could get that extra skill and I could like learn it myself almost. Like because I have like had taught myself for so long and I'd learned this like really hard craft mm -hmm. over and over and over again, I was able to sit myself down at a kit and for a year just teach myself and get to a place where I'm really proud of myself for doing it in a year. Obviously, like I'm still breaching intermediate, but I've done that a year without much help. And that's like impressive to me. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without the time and commitment I had put into mastering my body and my mind through martial arts. Am I stretching to say that the kind of things that you learned, let's say in prep cycle, uh, yeah. as coming together with a team, is there do you relate any of that to your ability to come together with other musicians and collaborate? Yeah, definitely. Um, I always use the example of sparring and fighting. I think it's, although it's important and a big part in one of my favorite things, it's obviously not everything in martial arts, but one thing about sparring is that human connection. Um, I think that's the best way to learn about someone is if you spar them because you're per you're putting each other in harm's way to get better at something. You're you're being vulnerable for each other, you know? Great. I think, and this is like kind of a connection I've been making myself is like language, music, martial arts. For me, they all have like super deep roots and connections. And I think that martial arts is a language that we share. Like even if two people don't speak the same language, haven't met before even, if you spar, if you train together, by the end, you're going to be hugging each other. You know, you're going to be like, that was awesome. That was a good sparring match. Like, that where, where else do you find that? Kind of connecting it back to martial arts. I was like, oh, this is the same thing as all of us, like working together um, on prep cycle during a sparring match. Like when, you know, we're all showing each other new moves, a new form. Like that's what this is. I just have to find the connections there. The connection element is super interesting to me. I love to spar too. And for me, learning the combinations and the way that we learn those and practice those is on the mat in front of the mirror, generally without the rudiments. <laughs> exactly. And then when you put it, when another person is in front of you, and you exercise those combinations and the reactions uh, and the counters with another person, you 
get a real sense of how they work and yeah the gears kind of come together exactly there's a tournament coming up and i wonder what's your experience do you remember your first tournament yes actually i do that's like pulling some memories out uh, <laughs> i was like six or seven mm-hmm. it was a mile high karate tournament so it would be like the size of our pre-covid uh mile high karate ripple effect or even the cma a ones right uh, um it was scary it was really scary for me i still get like i struggle with anxiety in general and like some days before teaching classes i'm nervous like as as all get up when i was really young i would cry at the slightest drop of like pressure and anxiety so like my first tournament as soon as i said judges and i went to position i like started crying <laughs> and i had to like get through it um i still ended up getting third place i think i did with the d but yeah i think i did dosan i got third place but i was crying the whole time when when that happened you went up did your presentation and started crying what happened what did the judges say or instructors um, what happened so i think the culture in the mid 2000s in a martial arts school is a little bit different than ripple effects now and how i like to run my school my classes it was definitely more harsh and when i first started it was more fewer so it was more like instructors that were very strict like i need you to not be crying if you're crying we cannot like continue that made me like not cry less <laughs> um but it made me go through it even if it was like tons and tons of tears didn't hesitate me at all and that's the skill that like i really admire and really needed i think it was a little bit of tough love and a little bit yeah, of encouragement it i it's what i needed let's put a, you in that situation of the instructor if a student at a tournament or even in tournament prep in the schools yeah. if they broke down and they couldn't do their presentation what's something that you might do or say this is something that i've been learning about in my education classes is this idea of a a warm enforcer right so you have this line that you want and this is how parents should kind of operate too although it's a little bit different because you know it's a parents not i don't say parent student but parent child relationship instead of teacher student but i have this line that i need you to meet no matter what and that line's going to be a little bit different for every student so let's say younger Joel me right i'm i'm his instructor i know younger Joel cries so his line is different than um another student who doesn't cry right like his line for me i'm going to have a slightly lower standard so that when he meets it i can push it back up specifically i would give them a chance to reset themselves tell them to focus on you know when you turn around to tie everything maybe even sit with them there before they go out i would get them away give them their second and see what they can do afterwards and i think that's the best thing that you can do for a student that's really interesting that you talk about the different lines that you need them to meet because i've heard instructors talk that way about black belts so when you see earning your black belt 
so there are standards that everyone needs to meet, right? They, you can't go, well, I don't know my nunchuck form. No. But can I still get my black belt? That doesn't work. But the effort that's put in, that's another standard that, that everyone needs to meet. But instructors have to judge that. But does this effort meet your potential? And how, how do you do that with uh, those upper level students? Even when I, they're young? I think to really get that line well established, you need a strong relationship with the students. But with a little five-year-old, if you can make a good impression, you're already starting that relationship. And the way one of my teachers talks about it is like a piggy bank. So every student, you almost think about of them having their own piggy bank on their little square, their desk, et cetera. Every interaction you do is filling up their piggy bank. And so then when you want them to do more, go past their line, when you need them to correct back to their line, you're withdrawing from that piggy bank for that student, right? And you putting it in is, how is your day? How's school going? Tell me about your favorite subject. What instruments do you play? It's, it's anything. I like to be asked about who I am, what I'm doing outside of martial arts. I know a little eight-year-old that's going to school and loving what they're learning is gonna to wanna to be asked that too. My main instructor that I had for the longest time is Master Kyle Galloway. Mm -hmm. who we, as Ripple Effect, we interact with pretty regularly. He's an amazing martial artist. I look up to him all the time. And it was almost like natural. It wasn't forced. I think he's someone that's really almost like scary charismatic, <laughs> which I admire because I think that's a valuable trait. But yeah, it's like, once you, when you're like with him, you're like, this man's awesome. When you kind of step away, you're like, he can convince anyone of anything if you wanted to. Because even now, I'm referring back to him. What would Master Galloway do in this moment, right? That's an interesting connection to martial arts hundreds of years ago. I mean, you, the, the Lord and the Samurai, that, that kind of relationship is different obviously now but yeah. um that that reflection on what would my teacher do that that thought almost makes me um i've trained under master galloway mm -hmm. but that's why when i when i joined wanted to join ripple effect the transition was so easy because galloway and macy are so close together right they're almost related if you think about like lineage right. all the stuff they grew up together right because of that relationship I have with him, I'm not only a better teacher, but I am trusted, which is super interesting, I think. Right, yeah, that lineage is really strong. And, and for anybody listening, that the, the lineage begins with Grandmaster Junri and extends to Grandmaster Jeff Smith, who's a 10th degree black belt under Junri to Grandmaster Stephen Oliver, a ninth degree black belt under uh, Junri and uh, Jeff Smith. And then our master instructor, Greg Macy, a fifth degree black belt under Jeff Smith and Grandmaster Stephen Oliver. So yeah. it's kind of amazing um, how that lineage continues um, 
beginning in South Korea in the 50s and coming to the U.S. But now we have 20-year-old Joel Thompson <laughs> continuing the lineage. Do you have any uh, martial arts heroes like in the movies, in books, in manga, uh, stuff like that? So obviously, obviously Bruce Lee, just because every martial artist worships him for good reason. I think it's really interesting the connection between Junri, Bruce Lee, and Muhammad Ali. If you don't know about that one, it's the the order of it is always kind of confused, and I'm not sure about the exact one. But what I believe it is is Junri worked with Bruce Lee, and they kind of together developed this a faster way to do a backfist, basically the fastest punch ever recorded. So Junri Bruce Lee mastermind this amazing way to punch faster human body, martial arts experience, Junri then takes it to Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali gets his amazing jab that ends up being his like defensive backbone for most of his fights in that term, that time of his career. That connection right there, like who would even think that Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee were connected if you weren't in the martial arts world? Those pictures of Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, Junri, Jeff Smith, John Chung, that was all over our walls in the martial, in my, in my martial arts schools at success. And Jeff Smith is the first kickboxing world champion in the world. And we still get a train with him. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to everybody. Thank you for instructing. Um, everybody come to the Fort Collins school to take a class with Mr. Thompson. And um, we'll see you at the tournament too. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Find episodes and more at rippleeffectmartialarts.com.